it's Linda Caranzalis, and I hope you're all having a nice weekend wherever you're living. Um, it seems like some of the restrictions have been eased, so hopefully everybody can get some fresh air and walk. Um, I'm Linda Caranzalis, a board-certified learning specialist. I also have ADHD and a nonverbal learning disorder. And I want to talk to you today about WIMS. What do WIMS have to do with communicating when you're communicating those that have a nonverbal learning disorder and other neurodiversities? Um, there can be um, a lot of similarities and there's some overlap. So if you um, have a loved one or a child that has a nonverbal learning disorder or attention deficit disorder or any type of neurodiversity or autism, some of these things do overlap. Um, so I'm not really sure if you can, just want to make sure that we're running okay. Um, and if you're out there, let me know. Just going to start a comment. Okay. So what is a whim? Well, we all kind of know what a whim is. It's, it's, a, it's a decision that we make about uh, some type of decision, but it, there's not a lot of careful thinking. We, we're not thinking, we're not planning about it. We're just really deciding maybe on the mood. It's kind of like whatever way the wind blows, things change. So we kind of sometimes make decisions. We all make decisions based on, hi, Sharon. We all make decisions uh, based sometimes on a whim without a lot of planning. And so that's what I want to talk to you about is whims, how they affect learning disabilities, and what you can do about it as a workaround for better success for your child or even adults, um, really any age level. We're all affected by this. So everybody does this on occasion, um, but it can be confusing to those that are not processing uh, visual spatial skills. And when you have NVLD, you're, you're not processing visual spatial, spatial skills. And when you have ADHD, you most likely are, unless there's some overlap, but typically with ADHD, you're just not able to observe and pick up other people's um, body language because you're not paying attention. It's very hard to focus. So whatever the cause, we still have the same problem, whatever the, the root cause is of it. So again, that those with NVLD and others can hold you to every single word that you say. So they're going to hold you at the face value of every word because that's how they interpret. That's their norm. Okay. Not everybody with NVLD. It depends how self-aware they are and what kind of interventions they've had. But changes, transitions are difficult to adapt to. As once they have it in their mind and they were told something verbally it's very hard to readjust their expectations. I'm going to give you an example. Um, I worked with somebody and the father had a son and his name's John and John and his dad were watching TV. And on came this advertisement to go to a safari that you could drive through. You can drive through the safari and all the animals can come and they can hang out, come up to the window. And the dad just said, hey, that looks like fun. Let's go do that sometime. Okay, it was a win. He didn't have a lot of thought to it. At the time, it sounded really, really good. Um, just like if we said, hey, let's go to the beach today. It's a nice day out. Let's jump in the car and go to the beach. We didn't really think about it. We're just going to do it on a win. We're very spontaneous. So the following week, the kid, John, says to his dad, oh, yeah, let's go on that safari. 
And the dad said, no, I don't want to go on the safari. That's really not good for the car. We can get scratches on it from the animals. You know, I've heard of, you know, animals eating off the antennas, you know, jumping on the car. The car could get really damaged. Well, this did not go over well with John. He was absolutely beside himself because, remember, he's only getting verbal communication, not getting tone of voice, body language, all that visual spatial stuff gestures. So whether you, whatever the source is, you know, it can be anywhere from 93% of communication is nonverbal and only seven is verbal. Or, you know, the percentages vary depending on the source. So let's say John was only getting 7%, meaning he got the words of what his dad said. Okay, so this doesn't go over well when your kids or even adults, um, they just can't comprehend. They feel like they were lied to. They feel like they were put down. They feel like um, that this person is not honorable. And how could you do something like that? This is what you said. You said this, almost like a little attorney. So you may think, hey, this person would be a good attorney. Um, kind of like a dog with a bone. They're not going to let it go. If you live with somebody or if you have nonverbal learning disorder, right now is right when you're really identifying with me because this is a classic telltale sign and it's, it's one that I've seen across the board um, with everyone, regardless of the age. Hi, Madeline. So we're talking about people that learn, think, and do things differently. And sometimes they're not always getting what everybody's saying to them accurately. So when they, um, somebody disappoints them, they think that they were lied to when in fact they just weren't picking up the nonverbal communication, which is eye contact, body language, tone of voice, which is about 93% of communication, and they are definitely handicapped when it comes to this. So in this example I'm giving you, John could not get over that his dad said something on a whim. He didn't really think about it. It was just something he said and now he was changing his mind and he just could not let this go he kept saying the same thing but this is what you said this is what you said you said that why would you lie to me you said we were going to go to this drive-in safari i wanted to see the animals and he just could not understand it but it comes across as oppositional and argumentative John wasn't trying to be oppositional. He was not being argumentative. I know it's really frustrating when your kids do that or your spouse or somebody that, you know, is neurodivergent. That's not to say that everybody does that, but it looks like they're arguing with you and they can really try your patience. Hi, Rich. So they can really try your patience and, you know, you really feel like you're being challenged and, it's, so how do you get over that? Well, first you have to understand that your kid or your partner, they're not doing this on purpose. They really are genuinely confused. Even if they're yelling at you, even if they're um, just not giving up, you know, they're like a dog with a bone. They are really, really confused. Depending on the age level, <clears throat> the best thing is to know that if your child has a nonverbal learning disorder, ADHD, or, you know, they're neurodiverse, they need to know it so that when these things happen, you can talk about it or the adult needs to know it and they may not know it. And if you keep seeing this over and over and over again, then it's a sign that you need to look in. Hi, Anthony. 
it's a sign that you need to look into this deeper if you're getting all these signs. Okay, so he wasn't arguing with his dad. So he couldn't understand it, though. So again, it was a whim. I'm going to give you another example of a whim and somebody that's neurodivergent <clears throat> doesn't always pick up on that due to their processing difficulties. I had another couple I worked with, Rick and Joan. Rick was thrilled to meet Joan, okay, because he like, this is like a middle-aged couple. He loved to camp, loved to camp, and he was so happy to finally find somebody that he could go camping with on a whim. Now, th these are two people in agreement that are on a whim. Okay, they both know that at times it's a win. They didn't plan about it. It's like, hey, let's pack the stuff in the car. Let's go for a drive and let's go camp out. You know, we'll go, you know, take this six-hour ride to Virginia or wherever. Um, so I'm in New Jersey. So, um, and in the beginning it was really fun and it was really exciting because, you know, when you're in that honeymoon phase of a new relationship, everything is magical. And um, so, but after time... You know, um, after they got to know each other better, um, you know, they eventually got married and they were still excited. But these whims of just picking up with no pre-planned thought and going on these camping trips was really slowing down. And John had remembered specifically saying to Joan, I'm so happy that you love to camp because we can do this together when we're married and we can go on to camping trips and it'll be so much fun. And she agreed it would be a lot of fun and that she would be up for going on these camping trips. Well, that's all he had in his mind. Now they're married. She doesn't want to go camping that much. She doesn't really like the gnats. She doesn't like the heat. Job change, working harder, working longer hours. The honeymoon phase has, has passed. It doesn't mean that they're, you know, she's not doesn't love him. It's just not as exciting and magical as it was in the beginning. And John can't let it go. He feels like, you lied to me. I specifically told you, and I'm saying it, how somebody with a nonverbal learning disorder or somebody with ADHD that's not picking up on the cues or on the spectrum would say it. They will say, you lied to me. That's not what you said. You said this. You said you were going to go camping with me. You said you liked to go camping with me. And now, all of a sudden, you don't want to go camping with me. And this was going to be a big part of our life. And now you only want to camp twice a year. Well, why did you lie to me? Can you, you can hear it in my voice. You can see that I'm angry with my eyes, my body language. Okay. And it's a problem now. And Joan was participating in these whims. But things had just changed. And Rick's not getting that, you know what, things have changed now. Our lives are different. Um, you know, we're trying to have a baby. So it wasn't getting it. It was just like, this is what you told me, and you lied. And you almost feel like you're being in court, questioned over and over and over. Why did you say that? Can anybody out there relate with that? Um, and you may find if you are neurodivergent that you catch yourself doing this. If you see yourself doing this as an adult, more than one time this is happening, even though you may feel hurt and you may feel lied to, you have to look at yourself and say it can't always be everybody else's issue. It's got to be something coming from me. It doesn't mean I'm right. It doesn't mean I'm wrong. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person, but something isn't clicking here. If you're a parent and you're seeing this, you need to investigate and find out why this is happening, unless you already have a diagnosis. 
if you have a diagnosis and maybe you don't and maybe that's going to take a while there are still things that you can do what you need to do is um, you need to get it out in the open first of all everybody needs to understand that somebody is not processing and it's not their fault it doesn't mean that they're right or they're wrong it's just different and processing differently is okay in fact the world needs us we need to be here the neurodivergence are 10 percent of the population myself included we bring a lot to the world i mean and i and i don't like to like you know use these famous names because not everybody is famous that's neurodivergent you know like um that you're gonna know like Bill Gates or you know and you don't have to agree with what he does or not or you know the guy that owns JetBlue or um, the guy that owns Kinko's that, that couldn't read okay so you don't need to be famous but you need to know that it's okay it's just different and the world needs you because if it weren't for people like us in the 10% there are a lot of things that would not have happened in our world that you know people have made great contributions and they still make them every day even if they're not famous and you know and they're just throughout the course of your interactions um, so if you're a parent what you're gonna do is you're gonna start when your kids are young or as soon as you find out right away you're gonna say out loud the words that you are saying exactly you have to think that you're like in another country like you're you know in France and you know you're trying to speak the language but you really can't so you're talking to your kid and you're trying to speak their language or you're trying to speak to your spouse or whatever and you have to be very very clear in what you're saying and you both have to have that understanding that hey you're okay you just process differently it doesn't mean that I'm any better or I'm superior to you it just means that you know we need to learn how to communicate with each other um, so you're gonna start with the education of okay where's the breakdown in the processing in the brain okay we all have strengths and weaknesses if it's a nonverbal learning disorder it's <clears throat> the connections between the right and left hemisphere the, the sheaths and of these they're kind of like pieces of wire that connect I had to give you an example think of a piece of wire and the sheathing is wearing off around it and that's where the problem is the connection between the right and left hemisphere of the brain so <clears throat> where they're not picking up visual, spatial, nonverbal communication, which is approximately 93% of communication, and they're only getting verbal, the 7% of what someone is saying. So you have to practice. You have to role play. You have to constantly point things out that you would normally not point out to anybody else. I'm going out. I'm looking in the mirror right now. I'm going to make sure my hair is okay, my lipstick's okay, because I want to come across as put together and, that, and competent. Um, you need to say these kinds of things out loud. You need to set up situations, practice them, um, talk about them, repeat, role, for it, role play, practice, set up, repeat over and over and over and over. Setups are when you're going to tell your kid or your partner, hey, you know, you're getting pretty good at this now. Um, we've done some role playing. You're kind of knowing when and what I mean when I'm saying it because, again, you're coaching them and you're pointing it out. Look at my face. What's my face saying? What, what, what about my eyes? What about my eyebrows? What's my, how's my tone of voice sound? You're teaching these things that happen automatically and nobody gives a second thought. They're instinctual. Okay, 
So when you talk, and like I am now, I'm not thinking about it, my body language and all and that. Um, and when they, when the person that has that's neurodiverse, they're not picking up on the the input from the person talking to them because they don't have that instinctual ability to do that. So you're constantly pointing this out. You're constantly saying, what happened with your friend Sarah? Tell me what happened when they came home. You're upset with her. Why? Go through it. Analyze it. Talk about it. Role play it again. Come up with a different way. And these things don't have to, it's not like you have to be a teacher and do lesson plans. You're just doing stuff in the real moment in real time. And then you can set something up and say, okay, like I said earlier, um, you, you can kind of set something up and kind of don't mean what you're saying and see if they can pick up on it. Um, and that way, when things happen, like the example I gave you, like um, John and his dad going to the safari and his dad said it on a whim, he really didn't mean it, then you're not going to have all these arguments and everybody's going to be happier and less tense and more relaxed. Or if it does happen again, you can say, let's slow down. Let's put the brakes on. Yes, I did say that I wanted to take you to, uh, around here it's called Great Adventure, that I wanted to take you to Great Adventure to go see the animals in the safari and we could drive it. I know I said it because it looked like so much fun on TV and I didn't think about it. But now that I think about it, I don't think it's such a good idea. What was that called? I was acting on a what? And then your kid... You're not going to talk to an adult like that, but if it's your kid, they're going to say, "You, yeah, you were acting on a whim. You were acting on a whim, Dad. Um, so that you need to teach this, okay, acting on a whim. So this is called acting on a whim. And you're, and so then when it, you identify it, you can say, oh, we're just going to pack up and we're going to go to the beach today because it's a nice day. We're acting on a whim. So you're role modeling it all the time. You're using the words acting on a whim so that they can identify it when it happens in their life. And not only when they're a kid, you know, elementary, middle school, high school, you're going to keep reinforcing it throughout the years. And if you found, or NVLD as an adult, you're going to learn this. You're going to learn that, yes, it's a whim. Sometimes people talk on a whim because adults can get really upset because they feel like they're being babyfied. And um, so, but they kind of have a sense that, like with myself before I had a non knew I had a nonverbal learning disorder, that I um I knew something was off. Why was everybody so pissed off at me all the time? Why were they annoyed with me? Because I would ask a ton of questions. And and somebody I saw the other day said to me, yeah, I'm used to your questions, Linda. I know you ask a lot of questions. Those are the kind of pe people that you want around you. And that, that leads off to a whole other thing about toxic friends, which I'll do on my next video. You don't need toxic people around you. I have people around me that are like, hey, Linda, yeah, I know. Really? Mm-hmm. You know, they get me. They know me. Um, and, you know, so they don't always take me so seriously. Or if they do take me seriously, they'll say something to me. And um, because, again, it has nothing to do with intelligence. You have average to above average intelligence. And that's really important to know. So can you imagine how somebody feels that has that level of intelligence but has this basic communication problem that makes them look foolish and embarrassed in front of other people who size them up for not as intelligent as they really are because they're not picking up on everything.
again, they're only getting 7% of verbal communication. They're missing 93% of nonverbal communication, tone of voice, eye contact, body language, gestures, um, everything. So I gave you a couple examples, one from an adult um, and one from a kid, so that hopefully you can see. Um, if you have any questions, you can always uh, shoot me on, uh, a message on Messenger, um, email me. You can go to my Facebook. Uh, my website's advantageslearningcenter.com with two Ds. Uh, you can subscribe to YouTube. There's a little bell there, and you subscribe because I upload videos, and sometimes I do live ones off there. And um, if you like what you're hearing and it resonates with you, please share with other people because there's a lot of hurting people out there that don't know that this is what their problem is, and it is wreaking havoc with their lives. And not to be like a Debbie Downer, but until you know, your life can be just absolutely devastated by not knowing what the problem is and how to cope with it. So um, again, there, there are hacks, there are ways around this. You're gonna model it, you're gonna practice it, you're gonna set up situations where they don't know that they're gonna be set up, and then they're not gonna be so upset with you because you're gonna say, hey, I'm giving you a warning. I'm gonna do something on a whim. You might not get it, or you may get it, or you might get upset. But this is how you teach somebody how to better cope with this. So I hope you've enjoyed it um, and that you've learned something today that can be really helpful to you because I myself have a nonverbal learning disorder, like I said, with ADHD, and I'm very passionate about this. And if I can save one person from not suffering, then that's what it's worth it to me. So everybody have a great weekend. Hopefully you're social distancing and you're getting some exercise and um, hope to hear from you soon. That my name's Linda Caranzalis, board certified cognitive specialist and um, former special ed teacher. Bye for now.